Hey there, podcast listeners, and welcome to this week's Physics Buzz podcast. I'm Mike Lucibella. It's my favorite time of the year, the announcement of the Ig Nobel Prizes, when science takes a step back to laugh at itself a little. This year's award for chemistry answered one of the most pressing questions facing science. Exactly how much wasabi does it take to wake up a sleeping person? I'm from Japan. My name is Makoto Imai. The uh, optimal con- concentration of Ariel Isotia cyanate, which is a, a pungent uh, compound of Japanese horseradish, uh, is from 5 to 20 ppm. Like all good scientists, they needed to back up their claims with experimental evidence. We uh, examined uh, 50 subjects, including deaf people. Mm. At first, we sprayed out in, uh, with odorless compound at first, and we confirmed that they maintain sleep. Mm. And uh, second, we sprayed out the real stimuli, this stimuli, uh, and observed the, their arousal level uh, and movement. Mm. They uh, wake up within, two, within three to four minutes. So some of them uh, rushed out from the examination room with the tears and cough. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do appreciate their courage and co- cooperation. So you might be wondering, why in the world would you want to wake up a sleeping person with wasabi spray? Well, believe it or not, there's a pretty good reason. We invented uh, wasabi spray uh, to wake up people with hearing disabilities in case of emergency. The deaf people uh, failed to wake up with a conventional mode of communication, for example, vibration or flashing light. So the, uh, this uh, pungent smell uh, stimulates the nasal mucosa, uh, mucose. So uh, it's easy to wake up people. That really gets to the heart of the Ig Nobels. As its tagline says, it's science that makes you laugh, then makes you think. Take, for example, the winner for public safety. I'm John Sanders. I'm a retired professor of industrial engineering at the University of Toronto. I'm currently a Marsh professor at large at the University of Vermont. He won for conducting a series of experiments in which a person drives an automobile on a major highway and while a visor repeatedly flaps down over his face, blinding him. I met him holding his unusual-looking helmet. Uh, This thing is a motorcycle helmet with a visor which ordinarily would be transparent but has been made by a coat of paint to be translucent but not transparent. So the driver, when this is down, does not get dark adapted even in a short time. He remains at the same general light level, but he cannot see what's in front of him. And if he wishes to see, or she wishes to see, the driver must push a switch with the left foot to operate a pneumatic cylinder that pushed the helmet down or pulled the helmet up, the visor up, so that you could see. And the electronics would give you whatever duration of view we chose. And that was the experimental tool. Uh, And we ran experiments on unopened sections of interstate. We also arranged for the use. I wanted to rent it, but we agreed that I would merely give it publicity. So I rented a racetrack in southern New Hampshire. 
He explained that the idea was to time how long someone could drive without looking at the road, which, if you think about it, is something we all do. When you drive, you look whenever you feel you have to look, don't you? It was just as safe as doing it with your eyelids or not paying attention to the gas. You look up, then you look back to see how much gas you have. So we weren't doing anything unusual. It was just that we had brought out into the open that which was ordinarily concealed. He called his technique the occlusion method. However, the research was a little bit ahead of its time. We gathered the data and uh, wrote the final report and then a published report in 1967. The, I don't think anybody read it for 30 years. There was no citation anywhere. And then uh, suddenly it began to get popular with the invention of the cell phone. Eventually it was adopted by the ISO. International Standards Organization? And in 2007, exactly 40 years after the first publication, the standard 66373 of 2007 was uttered, which says that to put a gym crack in the car, like a GPS or whatever, it must be assessed for its inter- for its uh, attentional demand using the occlusion method. And this way of measuring the attentional demand of the situation told you how much attention you had left for the cell phone. The Peace Prize winner this year also prominently featured a car, but not someone driving one, someone crushing it with a tank. I am Artura Zuokas, um, the mayor of Vilnius, capital of Lithuania. Uh, they liked my idea to use tank, uh, with, with, uh, to use tank just to crash a car which was parked on the bike lane. Why do it? Uh, you know, this was the, my idea because um, uh, first I don't like when the, the, the people who has too much money and they have very expensive cars, they don't care about traffic rules and it looks like they have more rights on, or space in, this, in the town. And the second, um, I would like to protect um, uh, bike, bikers, uh, because usually such cars, they, they're parking everywhere, and especially on the bike lanes. It's been a big problem for the city, and Zukas wanted to get the message out that this is a problem that he was taking seriously. Ten days before, we found all, almost in the same location number of cars parked illegally, like, like that Mercedes. Uh, one is was Ferrari, another was Rolls Royce. So it was just uh, real life. Only, uh, only we simulated, let's say, uh, what it will be if you will park again your car in such way. It worked. The YouTube video went viral and got picked up by everyone from Bicycling.com to the New York Times. He said that since the video, he's seen a big difference in the way people park. Even drivers who usually maybe they park cars in the bad way because they don't, they don't see the signs, for example, they became more careful, and uh, I think now they're parking cars in the, in the good way. Unfortunately, the winners for the physics prize weren't able to make it to the ceremony. The team from France won it for finding out why Olympic hammer throwers don't get dizzy, but the discus throwers do. And that's all for this week's Physics Buzz podcast. You can find more of our podcasts, blog posts, profiles, and so much more on our website, www.physicscentral.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>